to have a seat and we'll go ahead and get started. We're excited about today and looking forward to our morning with Jerry Taylor. So I, I was trying to remember the, today the first time I ever heard Jerry Taylor and I really can't place it, but I do remember when I was in Atlanta, still at a campus church there, he came and spent a week with us one time and it was an amazing week as we heard him share from the word every night. Uh, Jerry is absolutely one of my favorite speakers and also one of my favorite guys. When you meet Jerry, you will meet one of the most genuine people you have ever, meet, ever met. He is a professor at Abilene Christian University, has been for several years, and, and a great preacher that I've heard peppered on in many, many other places. And I think we're really going to enjoy being with him today. And more than that, we're going to be convicted by the Lord that he brings to us. So we're going to pray for you, Jerry, and then we're going to turn it over to you, brother. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful for the time we have together today. Thank you that Jerry is with us. Thank you for giving him safe travels. Uh, although a little more time in Dallas than he probably would have liked. And God, we uh, thank you that he arrived safely and that he's rested and ready to go today. And Lord, we pray for us as listeners that our, that our ears would listen. Lord, that we would have ears to listen and hearts to absorb and to be convicted and challenged on this day. Lord, there are a lot of needs uh, within our, our congregation, but Lord, we pray specifically for Lowell King right now, who we know is uh, struggling physically. And so we pray your special blessing on him that you would bring healing to him. Lord, we love Lowell and Cleo so much, and so we pray uh, your blessings on them today. Lord, may you be honored in our presence today. May our worship uh, uplift you, bring honor to your name. And may we be challenged as we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And Lord, as the word of God is open before us, through Jesus we pray. And all that agree, say together, amen. amen. Let's welcome Dr. Jerry Taylor this morning. It is a profound blessing, not only to be alive, but to be alive with the knowledge of the existence and the presence of the divine being that we call God. So often we are tempted and encouraged to forget about our relationship with God and our relatedness to one another. It is my conviction that reconciliation of any kind cannot take place unless there first is reconciliation to the divine life from which we have all come. So often in our world and in our nation, we are seeking reconciliation with other human beings. But there can be no authentic reconciliation with other human beings until first there is a reconciliation, a reconnection 
a reconnectivity with the very ground of our being. It is only as a result of us becoming one with our Creator God that we discover that we are more spiritual than physical. We are reminded that our physical bodies are nothing more than carriages or vehicles that transport the divine presence of God in the midst of a physical world. But this place is not our home. We're only here temporarily. And the soul innately knows that because ever so often there is something that emerges from deep down within that says, I ain't got long to stay here. There is also an unusual courage, even in the face of death as we grow older, that empowers us, that enables us to know that we need not fear death because there is something in us that is of God's very own nature that will defy death, hell, and the grave. And it is as a result of us remaining connected to the very life of God that we do not live in the fear of death. We do not live in the fear of death. Even though the world in which we live uses death as its most powerful weapon to intimidate and to frighten us. As you remember, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane did battle with the thought of death prayed to the point of sweating profusely and even requesting of God to let this bitter cup pass three times before he finally yielded and said, not my will, but let your will be done. Death is an intimidator. Death is a bully that traces our every step. We wake up each morning reminded of the fact that death is a reality. Some of us are afraid to go to sleep at night and turn the lights out because it feels a lot like what we imagine to be death. But when we walk with God and God walks with us, when we are in God and God is in us, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because we know that he is not only with us, but he is within us. He has already proven that death cannot win over life. On that Friday when Jesus was put on a cross and extended between two worlds, when his hands were pierced to that cross, and a sword pierced his side, and a crown of thorns were placed upon his head, and he was given bitter vinegar to drink, 
And then he said, it is finished. And into your hands I commend my spirit. And they took his broken body off of that cross and laid it in a borrowed tomb on that Friday. But death didn't know that Sunday was coming. Friday, he went down in the grave and even down into the Hadean world. But he was not inactive there. He even preached to those who had been placed in the Hadean world. And the good news is no matter where you drive life, you cannot kill it. And so early one Sunday morning, somebody said it was Easter. The stone was rolled away as a result of the angels that had been dispatched from heaven. And Jesus got up from the grave declaring all power in heaven and on earth is in my hands. That same Christ that got up from that grave is still living today. And those of us who call ourselves Christians must qualify that name and begin to call ourselves Christians because it is Christ who defied death, who defied the grave. It is Christ who rose with all power in his hands. It is Christ that Paul says dwells in us. It is no longer I that liveth, but it is Christ who lives in me. And I believe that in order for us to overcome the powers that exist in this fallen world, we must remember the divine treasure that God has placed within us as human beings. In order for us to resist and to refuse the invitations of the evil one, tempting us with power, tempting us to be the best, tempting us to be self-centered, tempting us to use our power for our own selves. In order for us to resist those seductive temptations, we're going to have to remember that our resistance will only come as a result of our awareness of the divine presence of the Christ dwelling in us. It is that Christ that shall live on forever. It is that Christ that sustains us as we grow older. And some of us are growing older, and some of us have grown older. Help me, somebody. But if you live long enough, you too will grow older. And that can be a blessing. But no matter how handsome and attractive you are today, you are looking at your future. <laughs> Everybody's body will age and it will change. If you put all of your hope and all of your trust in what you look like in the mirror, when you begin to experience physiological changes, you may lose hope. You may begin to resent the fact that you are alive and having to look at your image in the mirror every day. 
And you remember the days when you used to have that shape like a Coca-Cola bottle? <laughs> but has been transformed into a Dunkin' Donut. <laughs> but remember, there is more to you than what meets the eye. What you see looking at you in that mirror is not all there is to you. That is why those who have been blessed to grow old can say, I once was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is seed begging for bread. Remember thy creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days draw nigh, there will come a time when your eyes will grow dim and your hearing will grow dull and your steps will grow shorter. And it seems like every time you go to the doctor, there is a brand new diagnosis giving reason for you to be put on an additional medication to all of the ones you're already on. Aging is not for cowards. Can I get an amen? amen? But as you see your body declining, you must remember that there is an inner being, there is an inner you that the physical eye cannot see. There is an inner person that is being renewed day by day, and we are going to a land that does not require passports and visas. We're going to a land where you don't have to go through a security checkpoint. You're going to a land to where you cannot take any luggage. And so as your physical body is disappearing, and I say this to those of us who are aging near to the point of death, do not despair because God is lightening the load. You cannot take what you live in to the other side because that is a shelter that cannot provide eternal dwelling for your spirit. And so you have to unload, you have to unhook from what you have become attached to for 60, 70, 80, or 90 years. You cannot take this thing with you to a place that is completely spiritual. And I thank God for that fact because... I have abused my rental vehicle. <laughs> and I have to turn it in one day. But thank God, there is a reality beyond this reality. And every day I look at the news, I'm reminded of how sick our world and how sick our nation has become. When I look at the news and I see people hating one another and despising one another on the basis of skin color, it makes my heart yarn more for a home that is not in this world, for a home that this world cannot provide. When I see people arguing over which skin is more superior and which skin is more inferior. It reminds me of the fact that one day all skin is going to rot into disappearance under the soil. And we spend so much time demarcating ourselves, segregating ourselves, 
pushing others out because their skin does not look like our skin. Well, I just want to remind us that in Christ we are not skin folk, but we are spiritual kinfolk. That the spirit that is in us has no color. And the last time I heard, heaven is not going to be segregated on the base of race. There will not be a section for Democrats. There will not be a section for Republicans. I don't know if any of them are going to make it anyhow. <laughs> there will only be room for those who have responded to the beautiful voice of God that called us into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't allow the world to cause you to fixate on something that is temporal. Don't allow the world to cause you to put your hope in something that is fleeting with time. Put your hope in things that are eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. I believe with all of my heart that Christ is the only hope that the church has for healing the world. If we trade Christ for politics, if we trade Christ for our racial identity, then we will have lost God. And it is a dangerous world to live in without God. We must remember that there is life after this life. And God is not going to judge us based upon the size of our banking accounts. He is not going to judge us based upon the prestige and the prominence that we were able to experience in this life. When we stand before our Creator, He will want to know did we feed him when he was hungry? Did we give him something to drink when he was thirsty? Did we clothe his naked body when he had no apparel to wear? Did we visit him when he was sick? That would be the litmus test. Did we do right by him? with the life that he entrusted to us. And we may cry out to him and say, God, when did we see you naked, hungry, sick, or in prison? When did we see you in those conditions? And he will remind us that whenever you saw one of the least of my little ones, in that condition, you were looking at me. We have to retrain our eyes to see what the eyes of Jesus see. We must retrain ourselves and replace the worldly paradigm that has been handed to us by our great-grandparents, our great-aunts and uncles, our grandparents, our parents, and so many more that have had a hand in the shaping how we see the world and how we see other people that live in the world. We need to, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to see through the eyes of heaven 
because the truth of the matter is that's where we all intend intending to go right I don't think any of us are planning to be here forever and ever and forever ever in this world right even though there are some people living as if this is going to be all to their existence you know as the man told people told his wife I'm gonna put all my money in the attic and so on my way to heaven I'm gonna take my money with me as I'm going up to heaven through the attic and he died one day and his wife went into the attic to see if he had actually taken his money with him and the money was right where he left it and she said well I guess he went in the other direction <laughs> No matter how much we possess things in this life, even our physical bodies, we can't take these things with us. To live a Holy Spirit-centered life is to be spiritualized to the point to where you lose your affection and attachment to all things that's physical. Physical stuff no longer impresses you. Because once you drink from the living water of the living life of Jesus Christ, you become exposed to something that can satisfy the deepest thirst of your soul. And everything else has to be qualified as inferior to that. Because once you get a taste of heaven, once you get a taste of the divine presence of God, there is nothing physical that can compare to that. Once you get your eyes fixed on the heavenly realm to where you travel, there is nothing in this life that can entice you to live in such a way that this is your permanent dwelling. I believe that Christ came to teach us the way, the truth, and the life. To teach us how to detach from the untouchable or from the attachable from the things that we've been taught to be of utmost importance he has come to show us the way to being directly connected to the life of God now I must introduce my text for the class don't get nervous I'm going to just close with this amen I forgot to ask my dear friend, Brother Matt, how much time I had. About 18 minutes. 18 minutes? Okay, well, let me go on back to preaching here. <laughs> there is a passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. And beginning with verse 21. The Bible says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open. As he was praying, heaven was open. Prayer 
and the opening of heaven go together. It implies that before he was praying, heaven was closed. But as he was praying, heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And the dove represents peace, love, and gentleness. I'm glad it wasn't a hawk or a buzzard, but it was a dove. It symbolizes peace. This is his mission in the world. The mission of peace, the mission of love. Holy Spirit descended from the open heavens and landed on Jesus. And not only that, but there was a voice that came from heaven. And it said, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Praying heaven open, Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove, landed on Jesus, and then the voice spoke and said, you are my son whom I love. This is what happened to Jesus. But this didn't just happen to Jesus for Jesus alone. This happened to Jesus on our behalf. And so what the Father is saying to the Son, He's saying to all of those of us who have now entered into the Son. The mission of the Son, Jesus, has now become our mission. That we too are to be lovers and not haters in the world. We too are to be peacemakers and not war makers in the world. We too must be willing to put ourselves in harm's way, to speak out in the midst of a hostile environment, and to remind our brothers and sisters in the church of Jesus Christ that the way of hatred is not the way of Jesus. We must begin to teach our children and not to simply assume that they're taking on our Christian principles of love and peace and harmony while they're being exposed to messages of racial hatred on the internet. They're being recruited. They're being evangelized by apostles of hatred. Some of our children are looking at things that would make our stomachs turn. And they're being taught to hate others and to be intolerant. And some are even being advised to attack others and to engage in domestic terrorism. And the church must not remain silent while these things are going on, even in the lives of our children. Amen. If we neglect to address these matters, if we neglect to address these matters, there will be more 20-year-old kids getting in their cars in Plano, Texas, and driving to El Paso and gunning down 20-some 
innocent human beings. We must remind ourselves as the church that the kingdom of Christ is not of this world. We must remind ourselves as a church that the mission of the church is a mission of love. And if we cannot follow in Jesus' mission of love, then we cannot claim to be faithful followers of God Almighty himself. And I know that this kind of talk is unpopular in the church today. But perhaps we would not be in the condition that we're in today as a nation if the church had been speaking out regarding these matters early on. And if we don't begin to speak out concerning these matters today, then I can guarantee you as I stand before you right now, things will get worse. Who has been commissioned with the message of peace and love and kindness? and hospitality. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's not Washington, D.C. It's not a political party. Let me just say this. Political parties benefit off of the division that exists between people. If I cannot teach you to fear the other person, I cannot convince you to get behind my agenda. We have to remember that our leader is Jesus. If we don't believe that, then we're wasting our time coming to church Sunday after Sunday. We could be doing some other things, helping somebody. Jesus must be remembered as our ultimate leader. And what he teaches us, we have to be willing to humble ourselves that teaching. He is the one upon whom the dove of peace landed and the voice that spoke and said, this is my beloved son. You are my child, whom I love. Isn't that wonderful? That God the Father could say that about his son? And you know why God said that to Jesus? because he knew that eventually Jesus would need to be reminded of who he was. Because once you go further, over in the chapter four, let me just flip there, verse one, the Bible says Jesus full of what? The Holy Spirit. I'm glad that it didn't just land on him, but he became full of the Holy Spirit. He left Jordan and was led by what? The Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by whom? The devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. He was tempted of the devil. How many of us realize that as the church today, we're being tempted of the evil one? We're being tempted right now, we're being seduced to turn on each other. Many of us don't think that we would ever contemplate or consider the idea of using our weapons against our fellow brothers and sisters. We say that's an impossibility. But I want to remind you that Rwanda was 90% Christian. And over 800,000 people 
were massacred. When Hutus attacked the Tutsis, and these were quote unquote Christians. And the devil is tempting us right now to even entertain that idea or that notion that there may come a time when we have to turn on each other. The church has to stand in the midst of the society and to say that way is not the way of Jesus. That way is not the way of Christ. And notice the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him and mentioned all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Brothers and sisters, all I'm saying to us today is that God equipped Jesus with the Holy Spirit internally to be able to resist external temptations that would come from the evil one. This is a fight that was in progress before any of us showed up on the planet. It is a fight that's been going on before we became members of the body of Christ. It is a fight between Almighty God and his nemesis, the evil one. And we have to make sure that we remain engaged and connected to the light of the Holy Spirit that abides in us and say yes to God so that we can say no to every satanic offer that is diametrically opposed to the will of God. Now, I know that I've said some things in here that some of us have been trained not to hear. I know that I've said some things in here this morning that some of us have been trained to immediately shut down and check out and to discard. But I hope that you will go back and will read the passage and reconsider the message of Jesus Christ. And I believe that you will not be able to find me in contradiction to the message of Jesus Christ, a message that is one of love, not of hate, a message that is one of pro-life, not killing and mayhem. I believe that you will also find that Jesus put a lot of confidence in his church to believe we could be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Because when it's all said and done, the only one that will be left standing is Christ Jesus. And so, if you want to know what my highest value is, it is Christ. It is Christ. 
And I believe that Christ lives today. He got up that Sunday morning, never to die. Christ lives. If I were to go to talk to the farmers in the heat of the noonday sun, I would say that Christ lives. If I have to visit a saint in the hospital and sit on their bedside, I will want to let them know that Christ lives. If I'm invited to the White House by invitation or to the poor house by initiation, I still want to be able to say that Christ lives. And upon my dying day, as I press my dying pillow, getting ready to draw my last breath, I hope that the last thing I can whisper is that Christ lives. And when I get up on resurrection morning, getting ready to sing a song that I've never sang before, I want the words, the first words out of my mouth to be that Christ lives, and he lives forevermore. May God bless you, and may he continue to use you as doves in the midst of a hawkish world as seeking to make war when we have been called to make peace. God bless you. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.